Listen, there's a lot going on. And, and I'm telling you, as, as I woke up this morning, I thought, man, there are some things that I would like to preach about, and I'm going to when I get back from the conference. I am. Um, when I look at the news, and, and I, I, I'm sorry, but I hardly look at the news anymore. When I see what rolls in on social media, and I hardly believe anything I see anymore. I'm, I'm just getting wore out inside of my soul. But there are some things that I want to speak to when I get back. But in spite of everything that's going on around the world and around this nation and around this state and around this county and around this city, there is one thing that I am absolutely sure of, and that is that we can make a difference, that we can change, if we will come together, that we can change. And, and this is what I was thinking of because I want to preach this message. Guys, men, male-type people in this room, it's time to step up. It's time to not go to church. And I'm not saying you're not the church. I'm just saying that when you hear an announcement that's like, man, the, the VBS is coming, and, you, and you're like looking at your wife going, hey, baby, you better be a part of that. You know, they're probably going to need some help there, okay? You're the one I'm talking to. You're the one that they need. When you check your children in the, in the children's um, area over there, V Kids, this is your opportunity to be super intentional about teaching our children that men love Jesus. Just as much as having our children in here, when they're here this morning, I don't know if you saw them over here, they, they, they love hearing your voices when you're singing. And, I, and I, man, I applaud you. You come in here hungry for Jesus, and you come in here to sing. And that is great. There's also a place for our children to see that. And I want to encourage you guys just to stop and say, hey, what's going to be my part at VBS this year? And what's going to be my part at the back-to-school thing? Man, I just don't even want to think about that. We are literally halfway through 2019, and it's been inconvenient, okay? And I hope you have found a place to be inconvenienced by God to bring the kingdom of God to wherever it is that you're living, playing, shopping, acting, and, and, and whatever it is you're doing. My prayer is, is that that happens because God, he, he wants to, to use you. He wants to be doing something through you. But you've got to be willing to be inconvenienced. You've got to be willing to get out of your comfort zone. You've got to be willing to set a part of your life aside that you don't want to set aside. Not just to go to church, but to stop and say, if this is what the Bible says, how then shall we live? What are we going to do about it? And that's what this whole um, series that we're in right now, that we're wrapping up right now, is all about. We're in this thing called God, This We Believe, okay? And, and so we just wanted to share some things, and I appreciate the testimonies that have been coming back from people that have just said, wow, this has been a great um, conversation starter for us, for me, my children, my spouse, um, things for me to think about, and we want to do that. So we're wrapping it all up today with this sermon called Come Holy Spirit. Now, that is something that is so unique to the vineyard, that, just that phrase, Come Holy Spirit. And I'm not saying nobody else has ever said that. I'm just saying it became a regular thing in the vineyard from day one. It's actually how things got started back in 1974 when all the hippies were on the beach out in L.A. and, and they were playing their guitars, singing Kumbaya, and they were doing like 900 verses of the same verse, singing Kumbaya, until somebody said, come Holy Spirit, and, and God said, fine, if you are hungry for me, if you want me, if you're going to live like you want me, watch 
watch what I'll do through you as well as to you. And so that, that phrase became very, very important. Even in here, we pray it, we sing it, we cry out for it, we believe it, because it is our goal to live it out. So today we're going to look at John chapter 7. It's going to show up up there, but if you brought something as archaic as a Bible, you might want to open it up to John chapter 7. If you're kind of hot and hip with technology, whip out your cell phone, whip out your iPad, whip out your Kindle or whatever it is you happen to be on, and just you know type it in, and, and we're going to go to John 7 here in just a second. But let me give you just a little bit of, of uh, lay down, just a little bit of, um, of what's really going on. I love the book of John, second book that I studied in Bible college way back in the day, because John is talking to Joe Wood. When I open up the book of John and I read, you know, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God, and through him all things were made, and without him nothing was made that has been made, it's like, I know he's writing this for me. And I let it sink in. And when I get to the end of it, he says, these things are written that you might believe. It's like, aha! He wants me to believe that what he's saying is the truth because he was there and he saw it, and he experienced it, and a couple of times in his account of the gospel, just in case you missed it, he lets you know that he's the most special to Jesus because he's the one that Jesus loved. And he puts that in there. He refers to himself in the third person as the disciple whom Jesus loved. It's like, wow, that's not just a little bit egotistical, is it? Not just a little bit. But listen, we don't always understand the culture over there. So here Jesus is heading up to the Feast of Tabernacles. And this is one of the three compulsory um, feasts that, that men were supposed to go to Jerusalem for, okay? He's headed up for the Feast of, of uh, Tabernacles. Now these are the three, okay? The Feast of Passover or um, the one day of, of unleavened bread, or excuse me, the week of unleavened bread is the freedom. It, it recognizes they're leaving Egypt and getting all the yeast out of their house, eating with their clothes ready. They're ready to go on vacation. They, they got everything packed. They're going to eat their dinner and run out the door as fast as they can. You, you've gone on vacation like that before, right? You're like, listen, listen, girl, we got to have it all packed up and ready to go because when I come home from work, I'm sick and tired of work, sick and tired of Richmond, sick and tired of Madison County. We are going to the beach. We're leaving at 5.15 and I get home at 5.05. So we're going to have that car packed. And we are out that door. Listen, I, trust me, I will be doing that this afternoon. I will be packing my bag so that I say, listen, okay, when we leave that conference, we're on vacation. Let's go. Let's do this. See, that's the way they were to eat this food. God said, I am going to set you free. You are going to leave Egypt filthy rich. And when, you, when, when we say go, it's go time. And so that was the feast of Passover. And then there's a feast of Pentecost. And that's 50 weeks, all right? And that's called the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Harvest, and the Day of First Fruits. So the Holy Spirit came on the, or during the Feast of, of First Fruits. Jesus is the first fruit back from the dead. You and I have the Holy Spirit on the Feast of Pentecost, or when they're waving the wave offering, they've taken in the, usually the barley and the wheat harvest, they've taken it in, there's other things to be harvested, but they're supposed to not eat the wheat until they give God his 10%, they bring it all in, and so the, 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 um, the priest waves the, the wheat with the wheat still in the head a little bit, and, he's, and he does this, and he offers it to God, and then the Holy Spirit is falling on people on that day, and it's like, wow, 
So we think Pentecost is a Holy Spirit. No, Pentecost means 50. It means 50. It's seven weeks of seven plus one day. It means 50. And it means the time between first fruits and um, um, uh, uh, Passover. Yeah, Passover. And then Jesus is up in Jerusalem and he's at the Feast of Tabernacles. This one is an eight-day feast. You know, I've got friends that invite me over once in a while for, like, hey, we're going to grill out. Y'all want to bring something, and we're going to have a good time. This is a grill out where people don't go home. Listen, I loved having you in my house for Dessert with the Woods. It was such a cool title. No. Um, but it was. And so you came over. And as it got closer to 10 o'clock, I'm kind of looking at my watch a little bit like I'd like to go to bed. But we had a good time, and I loved it. But this was a feast of the peoples to remind them of all of the 40 years that they spent wandering around in the wilderness, not just the wandering part. The feast was about remembering that in the midst of the wandering, remembering the wandering, but the provision of God. God provided for them. Their clothes didn't wear out. Their shoes didn't wear out. It was absolutely amazing. And so that's what was going down. And so the Jews, they were watching for Jesus at the feast. And his brother's like, you going up to the feast? If you're a good Jew, you'll go up to the feast. You should go up to the feast if you really want to be a popular figure. If you want people to know you, you should show yourself to them. And Jesus said, my time has not yet come. Not going. Not going right now. And so his family headed off to Jerusalem to the feast. And then he, on the down low, headed to the feast. And he slipped in unaware. And he hung out there, all right? And he went up to the temple. And he's, he's at the feast. He's four days in. And four days in, he decides he's going to go up to the temple and show himself. He is going to go up there and he's going to teach. And he begins and he starts with like this. My teaching is from God. That's, what he, that's where he starts. That's what the Bible says. And he says, he says, stop judging by mere appearances and start making a right judgment, okay? And that's kind of what he's into right there. But our story begins at verse 25. And it goes through verse 39, and this is what it says right here. At this point, when he's saying, stop, making, uh, stop judging by appearances and make a right judgment. Did you know the Bible says that we're supposed to be making a right judgment about people? When people are out there and they're sending their little hearts out and somebody says, hey, you know, that's not conducive with your relationship to Jesus. Say, stop judging me. The Bible says, do not judge lest you be judged. You know why they say that? That's the, hello, listen, that is exactly, they want to keep sinning. They don't want you to tell them that what they're doing is wrong. I'm not telling you what you're doing is wrong. I'm telling you right now, Jesus said that what you're doing is wrong. Not Joe Wood. Who cares what Joe Wood says? Who cares? What matters is what it says right here. And so at this point, when he's saying all these things, at that point, some of the people of Jerusalem began to ask, isn't this the guy they're trying to kill? And here he is speaking publicly, and they're not saying a word. Have the authorities really concluded that he is the Christ? But we know that this man come, where this man comes from. And uh, when the Christ comes, no one will know where he comes from. And then Jesus, still teaching in the temple courts, it says, cried out, yes, you know me, and you know where I, uh, where I am from. 
I'm not here on my own, but he who sent me is true. You do not know him, but I know him because I am from him, and he sent me. At this point, they tried to seize him. They, put, they tried to put their hands upon him. They tried to put the snatch on him. They were going to grab him. At this point, they tried to seize him, but no one laid a hand on him because his time had not yet come. Still, many in the crowd put their faith in him, and they said, when the Christ comes, will he do more miracles, more miraculous signs than this man? And the Pharisees heard the crowd whispering such things about him, and then the chief priests and the Pharisees sent temple guards to arrest him. Jesus said, I'm with you for only a short time, and then I go to the one who sent me. You will look for me, but you will not find me. And where I am, you cannot come. And the Jews said to one another, where does this man intend to go that we cannot find him? Will he go where our people live scattered among the Greeks to teach the Greeks? What did he mean when he said, you will look for me, but you will not find me, and where I am, you cannot come? And on the last and the greatest day of the feast, okay? So for, for four days, remember, it's an eight-day feast. Day four, he goes to the temple, he starts preaching. And he stands up and he says, what I have to say is from God. And he starts teaching these people, and they don't like it. And then on the last day, eight days in, we're eight days into this feast, on the last and greatest day, he's gone from, hey, let me teach you, let me talk to you like a rabbi. It says right here, on the last and greatest day of the feast, instead of sitting down and teaching the people like would be normal, it says right there, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, streams of living water will flow from him. There, I mean, look at that. Look at what it says. If anybody is thirsty, let him come to me. If you are thirsty, if you're dry and parched and you're hungry for God, if you want to believe that there's more than what's going on in social media, if you want to say, show me something better than the news, if you want to say, I need somebody to tell me the truth, Jesus says, come to me. Come to me. Come to me. It says right there, springs, streams, not springs, streams of living water will flow from you. From you. Do streams of living water flow from you? Don't move that yet. Do streams of living water flow from you? Are you negative? You're always throwing cold water and what's going on. You always got something negative to say. You know, saying negative things to people doesn't make you look better. It doesn't make your life better. Does life come out of you like a stream? He goes on to say, John goes on to say, by this he meant the Spirit, capital S, whom those who believed in Jesus were later to receive. They hadn't received him yet. You see that? They hadn't received the Holy Spirit yet. They were going to receive him later. Up to that time, the Spirit had not been given because Jesus had not been glorified. And so that's what's going on in this picture. That is, that is the absolute thing, the thing of what it is that's going on. Jesus is saying, listen, the Holy Spirit is going to come. In John 14, seven chapters later, Jesus said, this is how it's going to go down. I have to go to heaven. But listen to me, I cannot have you guys upset and worried. By the time you get to John chapter 12, you have done from, from 1 to 12 is three and a half years of, of ministry. 
from 12 to 21, 22, 21, 22, to the end of the book, okay? Is it just a, a week? It's just a week. All those chapters for just one week. So Jesus is saying in John chapter 7, listen, when I get to John chapter 14 and I do some teachings about the Holy Spirit, I need you to pay attention because that's the streams of living water. And when he gets to John 14, he's with his disciples and he says, look, I have to leave you, but be of good cheer. Don't be afraid. I will not leave you as orphans. You won't be alone. And if you feel like you've been going through life without God, you've been listening to the enemy or you've been fooling yourself. Not anybody else has been fooling you. Because the Holy Spirit is inside of you. And we're going to walk that out because this we believe. This is my favorite comforter. This is it. When I left western Oklahoma, some ladies got together and made that for me. This isn't stitched on a machine. This is hand-stitched. It's absolutely an amazing quilt. It's called The Road to Oklahoma. It's absolutely beautiful. It's huge. It's on a, it's on a big bed. I, I just got it out of the closet, and my wife's going to say, who got this out when she gets home? Well, I did. I got it out. And I put it on the bed, and I took a picture of it this morning because this, this is my comforter. But it's not my favorite comforter. It's not my favorite comforter. My favorite comforter we want to talk about. I can still see these women sitting around their little sewing circle. I'm, I'm saying Dorothy is there and Glenn, Glenzella is there and Leroy's Ruth. When you have too many Ellas, you have to name them by their husband. And when you have too many Ruths, you have to name them by their, their husbands too. So we had Glenzella and we had Leroy's Ruth. Okay, I can see them sitting around this circle. I can see Marjorie and Norma and Ellen and Dory and, and, and more. And, and, and they did this. And, and they would make these, these quilts, these big quilts, and they would sell them annually at a big missions thing that the Mennonites have um, up in Kansas. And, and it's, a, it's a real big deal, and it's amazing. But they made one for me, and it's a beautiful, but it's not my favorite one. My favorite one is the one Jesus talks about when it says he cries out loud. And he says, you know me, and you know I'm from God, but you won't listen to me. And the scripture says they tried to grab him, but they couldn't grab him because he won't let them grab him because his time had not yet come. But it was the last and greatest day, and it says that on the last and greatest day of the festival, Jesus stood and said in a loud voice, let anybody that is thirsty come to me and drink. And if you are tired of drinking from people that lie to you, tired of drinking of, from a world that lets you down, tired of drinking from a job that does not provide purpose, come to God. Seriously, come to God. Don't come to God by coming to church and say, well, I've been doing this for a while. It's not working. I want to know if you're doing it God's way. I, I know for a fact some of you aren't. I, I'm not here to throw rocks at you. I'm just here to tell you. You can complain all you want, but you're still not doing it God's way. And you're saying it's not working. <laughs> you know, that's like getting in a car and expecting it to start itself. You have to do it the manufacturer's way. Put the key in it and turn the thing. You know, if you're not going to do it that way, the car's going to be of no use to you whatsoever. But let anybody who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, the scripture said, rivers, streams of living water will flow from them. And what he meant was the Holy Spirit, and I believe that. Jesus tells us the Holy Spirit's coming. We realize at this point that the Holy Spirit has not come. 
In the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit came and went and came and went and came and went. He came on Joshua, he came on Othniel, he came on Gideon, he came on Samson. In John 14, he says, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remember, uh, remind you of everything that I've said. That is the responsibility. It's not the responsibility. That's not fair. That is what God, who is the Holy Spirit, is going to do in your and my lives unless we quench him or do some other things that we're going to talk about. So what do we believe? At the Vineyard, we believe that the Holy Spirit is God. We believe in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, and that makes us Trinitarians. Want me to give you an example? In Genesis chapter 1, verse 26, it says, Then, the, then God said, Let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness so that they may rule over the fish in the sea, speaking of man, um, fish in the sea and the birds of the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over the creatures that move along the word. Us is the word that is used there. Let us, and it's used here very specifically, the Hebrew word for God here is Elohim. And what that means, it's the plural. It means it's a plural word for God. It means God is one but we recognize him as God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we at the Vineyard believe in God the Holy Spirit. We recognize God, but we recognize that throughout history the Bible, uh, of the Bible, God has revealed himself as one spiritual God existing in three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we believe that at the Vineyard. And we believe in the gifts of the Spirit at the vineyard. And we believe in the miraculous gifts of the Spirit at the vineyard. What we don't believe in at the vineyard, at this vineyard for sure, we do not believe in the sensationalizing of those gifts. We don't believe the gifts are here to be worshipped. We believe that the gifts are here to empower us in our worship. And by worship, I don't just mean singing and clapping. I mean living out the things that God has called us to do. Living out loving, living out giving, living out serving, living out going, living out speaking, living out administration, living out gifts of works, living out uh, gifts of, of words of knowledge. We believe that the power of the Holy Spirit is there to do that, but we keep running ahead of him. We believe here at this vineyard that you received the Holy Spirit when you first believed. Did you know that? You, didn't re you did not receive the Holy Spirit when you got baptized. You did not receive the Holy Spirit when you jumped up and said, I believe! You didn't do that. Some of you are like, well, I didn't do that either. <laughs> well, kind of you did, didn't you? <laughs> A little bit. Okay, well, you need to. All right? We need to feel that inside of us. We need, uh, listen, I don't know about you, but every time somebody throws that post, I got this guy over at Eastside that keeps throwing up posts. He's a good friend of mine, but he keeps throwing up these posts, and every time a post comes up, I just get all excited inside. He's like, yeah, I'm forwarding that baby. And I'm just going to, I don't want to break your heart, but it's always like, it's only like 200 more days till the Patriots start their first game and we're going to play. And, you know, or it's like, hey, listen, uh, you know, the Super Bowl's been set. We just don't know who the Patriots are playing yet. And I'm like, that's right! Yeah. And we don't get excited about Jesus that way when he does something miraculous in our lives. I'm, I'm talking about, where did that come from? That was the Holy Spirit moved into your life. And, and, and we're like, what happened? And then we're like, well, yeah, something cool happened. And I'm like, 200 more days till the Patriots play. You know, it's like, we need to change that around just a little tiny bit. And we need to be there. The book of Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13 says this. 
And you were also included in Christ when you heard when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. And it's, it's it, listen, don't split hairs. Uh, okay, Paul's just telling the church in Ephesus how this works, okay? When you heard the truth of the gospel of your salvation, when you believed it, you were marked with a seal, the promised, capital H, capital S, Holy Spirit, who is God. At the point inside, when somebody shared the truth with you that as a sinner, you are separated from God, and you can pretend and go to church all you want, but as a sinner, you're separated from God. If your feet are not pointed to the cross, and coming to church does not point your feet at the cross, it's just a sign that that's where you're, you're thinking on Sunday morning. But when you begin to say, Lord, I believe that you are the Christ, that you are the Son of God, and that you died for my sins so that I can be reconnected to God who's in heaven, here's my life. You can have it all, Lord. Then you begin to say, I am a child of God. Then you begin to say that. Then you begin to live it. And that's what the word believe means. When you believed, you were marked in Christ with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit. We're not done yet. Thank you, Jesus. We're not done yet. Who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. And I love that when I go to the bank and I put money in, I expect to go to the back of the bank and get it back out because it's just a deposit. And that's the point that Paul's making. The Holy Spirit, who is God, has been invested in you. So when we say Christ lives inside of us, that's what we're pointing to. The Holy Spirit of God is inside of us. He's moving us. We're called to keep in step and to keep in stride and to keep in, in, in touch with the Holy Spirit of God, to move with the Holy Spirit of God, because one day Christ is coming back and this deposit that's inside of us is going to collect the Godhead back together. And, and listen, there's a, there's a lot more that I don't know about God than there is that I do know about God. But what I do know is the Holy Spirit lives inside of you. And we need to be in touch with him. Because he's a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance. In that nanosecond that you believed, if you believed, if you believed, you were sealed. Right there. Sealed. Wax, big stamp, <laughs> property of God in heaven. Filled with the Holy Spirit. The question is, what are you going to do about it? We are called, you and I, to live by the Spirit and to keep in step with the Spirit. That's what we're called to do. That means we're supposed to be in a relationship with Him, with the Spirit of God. He is God. Love Him. Listen to Him. In the book of Galatians chapter 5, it says, those who belong to Christ Jesus have been cru have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. And since we live by the Spirit, let's keep in step with the Spirit and don't become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. And if conceited, provoking, and envying one another does not define the society that you and I live in, I don't know what does, right? I mean, that, that is like an overly simplistic understanding of the society that you and I live in. Right there. Let's don't become conceited, provoking, and envying. Man, I want what they got. 
They got that, and I need this. Their, their grass is actually greener than mine. I'm going to go check out and see what kind of fertilizer he's using on a down low. I'm going to let you in on a little secret if you don't tell my neighbor. I always try to mow my yard before my neighbor does. I'm going to tell you why now. Because for a split second, my yard is shorter than his yard and looks a little nicer. I don't know why that matters to me. I do like to mow my yard. But I think it's fun because as soon as I mow yard, my yard, he runs out and mows his yard. Just like that. Like, Joe, you only cut off a quarter of an inch. I got to go my yard. Go mow my yard. Yours is a quarter of an inch lower. Let me tell you another secret. If he gets to his yard first, it kills me. It kills me. I'll say to my wife, neighbor mowed his yard. I need to go mow my yard. She'll say, you mowed it yesterday. I say, I know. But it doesn't matter. He mowed his yard. I'm envying his yard. I need his yard. I need my yard to be better than his yard for a split second. Just, just, we live in a society of comparison to one another. And it's like, man, he's got that and I don't have that. So he's got to be better than me. No, he's not. He's not better than you. He's different than you. And different is okay. Different is okay. We do not have to keep up with the Joneses. You and I are called to keep in step with the Holy Spirit. And so we don't have to become conceited, provoking, and envying one another. Instead, we can crucify our flesh with its passions and begin to say, how can we live in love? How can we hear the Holy Spirit speak to us? And I'm going to tell you, again, I'm kind of hard on guys around here. If you're new to the vineyard, just going to let you know that up front. Guys, go home and love your wives. And don't just love them. Love them the way Christ loved the church. And how did he do that? He got off the throne. What? He got off the throne of heaven and came down here to earth to get down on his knees and wash their feet. That's how God, Christ loved the church. He didn't walk in home and say, listen, I'm home. I've been working all day. Do this, do this, do this, do this. Come on, woman. He didn't do that. He came down here and said, how can I love you? And he did that. But we can break this relationship with the Holy Spirit, believe it or not, just like a real relationship. First, it is possible to resist the Holy Spirit. Do you know that? When the Holy Spirit says, hey, stop and give them a little help, we say no. And when the Holy Spirit says, hey, give them a little bit of money, we say they didn't earn it. We make all kinds of justifications why we're not going to do something. We justify ourselves right out of doing anything on behalf of the kingdom of God because it's mine and I don't want to. We do that a lot. That's the part that might smart a little tiny bit, but it needs to. Okay? I'm saying it to me before I say it to you. Acts 7, 51 says, You stiff-necked people, your hearts and ears are still uncircumcised, meaning you have not taken a hold of the things of the kingdom of God. Okay, You're just like your ancestors. Here it comes. You always resist the Holy Spirit. It is entirely possible for you to resist the Holy Spirit of God Almighty. When we walk in step with the Spirit, we give, uh, He will give us tasks work and ministry to do then we have a choice don't we am i going to do it or am i not going to do it we can resist and play games and say no somehow the kingdom of god still moves forward secondly it's possible to grieve the spirit to the church in Ephesus, Paul says this, therefore each of you must put off falsehood look at how he tells us to get rid of our old self each of you must put off falsehood, speak truthfully. Listen, stop lying. That's what he's saying, okay? To your neighbor. For we're all members of one body. In your anger, don't sin. It's okay to be angry, but stop 
sinning. Stop lashing it out. Stop letting your anger lead you around and instead take a hold of your anger and use it for constructive activity. Okay? Do not let the sun go down while you're still angry. And do not give the devil a foothold in your life. Anybody that's stealing, if you're going to call yourself a Christian, stop stealing. Stop stealing time. Stop stealing money. Stop stealing things from work. Stop stealing hearts of people and then throwing them back to the curb when you're done using them. Stop stealing from the people around you. Instead, you must work. Do something useful with your hands. Serve people so that they may have something to share with people in need. See? Serve people. Are you serving people? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth. Stop cussing. <laughs> Why do I have to stand in church and say that? Why do I have to stand or sit with a group of pastors and say that? Why on earth? Well, let me tell you, Pastor Joe, because the church is on its way down a slippery slope. The church has never been on a slippery slope. The church has never been in danger of going to the fires of hell because the church has always been obedient to Christ. It's the people that call themselves the church but aren't, according to Matthew 7, that that, that speaks to. It says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only what is helpful for the building up of others according to their needs, that it may, be benefit, it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Don't grieve him. Stop telling him no. Stop telling him you're not going to do it. Stop telling him you're not going to help that family. Stop telling him you're not going to tie the church. Stop telling him you're not going to serve. Stop telling him you're not going to serve at church. Stop telling him you're not going to get plugged in. Stop telling the Holy Spirit of God that you don't have to be a part of a church in order to be a Christian. He already knows that. But he called the church together and said, I'm going to build the church, and I'm going to give my gifts through the Holy Spirit for the benefit of the body, not for the benefit of you. Therefore, he expects you to be a part of a church. Don't grieve the Holy Spirit. Get rid of bitterness. We want to grow a great church. God wants to bring whole healing to your life. Get rid of bitterness. Rage, that sudden explosive anger that I experience going down the highway that I honestly need to get rid of. Get rid of it. Brawling, fighting, slander, and every form of malice. Be kind, compassionate to one another, forgiving each other just as God and as Christ God forgave you just as in excuse me Christ just as in Christ God forgave you you were sealed but we can still fake it lastly it's possible to quench the spirit you can put out his holy fire don't do that inside of you is a fire and it's evidenced by the hunger you didn't have to get up this morning listen you may have come here going oh man i hope he doesn't go long again you know, come on, you're off my Christmas list. But, you know, anyway, uh, I hope he does that. But you still came. You still came. Because something inside of you was being drawn along by the Holy Spirit, and you're hungry. 
And, 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 and you don't want to quench that, 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 that thirst. You don't want to quench it with the stuff of the world. You don't want to quench it. You want to let God have His way. Paul said at the church in Thessalonica, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in the midst of every single situation, every circumstance, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. And don't quench the Spirit. Don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them and hold on to what is good and reject every kind of evil. You're on fire for God. You're excited about what God is doing in your life. And pretty soon you're busy. Pretty soon you get too busy for God. You're too busy for spending time in the Bible. You're too busy for going to church. And you start to do what Paul refers to as you begin to drift from your, your salvation. You begin to drift from the doctrines. You begin to drift away from what you learned at first. So as we gather together this morning, we say, come Holy Spirit. We say, come and have your way in us as a church. As a church, corporately, as believers, individually. I don't know about you, but that used to scare the living daylights out of me. Do we have to jump over chairs? Do we have to run around and scream? Do we have to do things that some of you probably would like to do one day, but you're not sure you're allowed to? No, we don't have to do that. I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to do things to you and through you? Yes, I do. Do I believe that we're going to face adversity and it's going to be difficult? Yes, I do. Do I believe the Holy Spirit will get us through that? Yes, I do. Do I believe that we're going to see exciting things and it's going to be wonderful and the Holy Spirit's going to do great things and we're going to celebrate? Yes, I do. But He's going to do it through you. For whatever reason, craziest thing in the world, for whatever reason, God has said, I'm going to bring my kingdom to bear on this earth through the people of this earth when they surrender to me. And they avail themselves of me inside of them, inside of themselves. Today, the Holy Spirit wants to touch your life. Today he wants you to make he wants to make you aware of him inside your life. I'm not going to say the Holy Spirit wants to baptize you. You were already baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. The, that Acts 19 thing was because they were not, John did not baptize people in the Holy Spirit. He only baptized them for repentance. John's baptism was for repentance. For repentance, the scripture says, Apollos' baptism was in the Holy Spirit. When we baptize people, we are recognizing that at the moment they believe they received the Holy Spirit. My question is, when will you let the Holy Spirit begin to have his way in your life? When will you begin to let him move you into other people's lives? That's how you'll know it's him when other people's lives around you are benefiting from you and God in you. Because the kingdom of God is coming through you. I want to invite you to stand up to your feet and these people want to pray with you. And there is something that you need prayer for that's probably extraordinary, that's it's, it's, it's too big and you're afraid to ask God. Don't ask God for things that we can do. Ask God for things that only God can do. 
Invite God to move in your life in ways that only God can move in your life. Invite God to do the miraculous, the powerful. But listen to me, give God the glory. He's not going to do it just so you can say, see what I did. He wants us to testify so that other people will find hope. So I want to encourage you. You can come up here right now just like this. You can come up here right now because God wants to touch your life. Do you need healing today? Can we pray for you? Do you need to feel, feel the love of God today? There's nothing wrong with wanting to feel the presence of God. Do you want to feel the love of God today? Can we pray for you? Is there some healing that you need? Is there some bitterness that you're carrying? Is there a load that is on your shoulders you just cannot get rid of so you can move forward? This is a place to lay it down. Let's do that as we sing this next song. Holy Spirit, we say come. Crash into us right here. Just just wreck us right here. Just wreck us. Just wreck us. Because we want the glory of God. We receive the blessing as children. Our Father receives the glory as the giver. We humble ourselves before you, God, because you are God. God the Father, God the Son, and most certainly God the Holy Spirit. We thank you for this in Jesus' holy name.